All right, you've all been having a wonderful time. It's been great, hasn't it? As a first, it's been a great, great blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Where's Brother Burkett? I think has his notes. Are these your brother? Crib sheets. Hey, what is it? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this is my second to last, last message. And I, I did change it. Because I was to have this message in the breakout ones, and I thought, well, most people won't be here. They're going to hear Ed Ware or someone else, so only a few people. And I thought it was important enough to reverse this and change this and put this one this side, and the other one I'll have down four or five o'clock or so. So thank you, Lord. We are indeed blessed to be in your service. Once again we come. We pray you are just quiet in our spirits before the Lord. Whatever you want to speak to us, we pray we may hear. We may be like Samuel. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Not listen, Lord, for thy servant speaketh, but speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So bless us now and let the word go forth in its power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, <clears throat> amen, and amen. title of my message today is Binding and Loosing a Law of the Kingdom. <clears throat> Binding and Loosing a Law of the Kingdom. I teach a, a Bible college class back in South Africa, back in New Zealand. I always get that a bit confused. I lived for 55 years in South Africa and I can't get that out of my mind. But I teach a Bible class there on Christian counseling techniques. And one of the things I tell my students is this, right at the outset I say, now I want you to write it down. No one breaks laws, but we go against the laws and the laws break us. And the same laws that benefit us when we obey them will work against us when we disobey. You break the laws of architecture and your building collapses. You break the laws of health and your body collapses. You break the laws of ecology and the whole environment collapses. So no one breaks laws. We go against the laws and the laws break us. Now, <clears throat> I read a letter that I would like to quote to you. It was written by a very frustrated wife. True, she wrote to a marriage seminar speaker, and we call this man's name John, just say. And this is what she writes. I'm crying as I write this short note to you. I thought marriage was going to be a fulfilling way to live. I'm thinking hard now about divorce. My husband is a cantankerous, unkind, wretched louse. And those are some of his better points. <laughs> he does things just to annoy me all the time. If I have a thought of my own, he puts me down. And he tells me he's got a much better idea. I'm worried, too, that he may be having an affair. You say God doesn't allow divorce because a couple is incompatible. Well, we are. And I want out. Do you have anything to say that might keep me 
in this marriage, signed, desperate. Now suppose that kind of letter could be written by thousands of people. And I'm reminded what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And also, I would add, don't do anything to so enrage them, to make them bitter against you. If we follow 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, as has been talked about in this seminar, it says there, Likewise, ye husbands, I want you to live with your wives according to knowledge. Live with them in an understanding, considerate way. I want you to treat them, my words, as your little bride. Love her, encourage her, bless her, pray for her, honor her, honor her. And I thought about that honoring your wife. And I thought of what that means. To honor means to lift to a high place of importance, to hold in dignity, to extol, to reverence, to respect with all honor. I want you to honor your wives. Don't provoke them to anger that they get so bitter and twisted and call you a wretched louse. And that's one of his good points. <clears throat> I said yesterday, I think it was, that every unhappy wife is a public rebuke to her husband. And it's so true. Now, I want to just take a little turn now and keep within the parameters of my message. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 16 and verse 19, you know the setting, Mark 16, Jesus comes into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, and he says, whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? Or some say you're John the Baptist, da 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 da. But whom do ye say that I am? Oh, says Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then down here in verse 19 of Matthew. This is what it says. And I will give unto thee, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt, listen to it, bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So hidden away in this verse, we have an important kingdom principle. Listen to it. You have an important kingdom principle of release. A kingdom principle of release. This is a key. And it's interesting to note that he said, I've given to you the keys of the kingdom. And I found out that a key unlocks something kind of sets it free. I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom. This is a principle of release. Jesus regarded this whole thing as so important that he repeated it a number of times in different settings. If you go to Matthew chapter 18 this time and look at verse 18, 18 and 18 of Matthew, this is what the Bible says. Verily, and when Jesus said verily, it means of a most solemn truth. I'm telling you this, of a most solemn truth. I couldn't be more sincere what I'm going to say. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. 
And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We have it again. Turn now to the third reference I want you to look at, and then I'm going to take that as a springboard and develop it from there. In John chapter 20 now, and this is a verse that seems out of, out of context somehow. It's just sort of something has just dropped in there, and I think a lot of people just roughshod over it. They don't understand it, and I think it would be good just to have a look at that. John chapter 20 and verses 19 to 23. John 20, 19 to 23. I'd have to turn that one up. I have not written it out. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so we're on John chapter 20 and verses 19 to 23. Okay. This is what it says. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, this is what he said, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his feet. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, second time, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Peace be unto you, verse 19. Disciples were glad, verse 20. Verse 20, 21, again he said, Peace be unto you. And then verse 22, sorry, verse 23, this is what we read. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now as we read that, we think, well now I can see the Pope in this thing. I can see the bishops and the cardinals and the, the confessional booths, and you just come and I say, peace be unto you, my brother. Your sins be forgiven you. And I don't believe that's what it's saying, although it seems to imply that's what it means. This is a precious principle of release. Peace will only come to you. The Holy Ghost will only be active in your life if you apply this basic principle of release. And we're going to look at that this afternoon. So it says, Whosoever sins, verse 23, look at it there, Whosoever sins ye remit. Now when we look at that word remit, in the Greek it means to send forth, to send away, to yield up, to forsake or to lay aside. It's a dismissal. It's a sending away or a release in forgiveness. It's a release in forgiveness. This is a principle of release. The root of this word in the Greek suggests a separation, a departure from, a cessation or a reversal of. And if you see this in its context, you'll see that the peace comes, the Holy Spirit in all His glory comes, when we release in forgiveness. When we send away, when we remit, send forth, release. It's a principle of release. So now, as we develop this basic principle, we find this, that forgiveness opens 
unforgiveness closes. Forgiveness opens, unforgiveness closes. So the same cord, listen carefully, the same cord you bind people with in unforgiveness will be the very cord that binds you and keeps you in bondage. I was in Zimbabwe a number of years ago, and I watched a video by a preacher. And he said, a young man came to me, and he was about 24 years of age, I suppose. And he was a hopeless alcoholic at 24. And so this preacher and this counselor said to him, well, sir, I don't understand this. How can you at such a young age be an alcoholic? And he said, well, he said, tell me about your life. He said, look, I grew up in a home where my father was a terrible alcoholic. He beat us as children. My sister and I went through such abuse with this man. We were so hurt by this man that we vowed in our hearts we would never, ever touch a drop of alcohol. And here you are sitting before me, he said, as a hopeless alcoholic. What happened? He said, by the way, where is your father? He said, I don't know and I don't care. Is he dead? I hope so. I don't know where he is. He so hurt me. He so hurt my sister. He so hurt my mother. I don't know where he is. And I don't care where he is. And then the wise counselor said, Sir, now I know why you're an alcoholic. He said, what do you mean? He said, you see the very cord that you have bound your father with in unforgiveness is the very cord along which his sin will come into you. I want you to think about that. The very cord you bind him in unforgiveness will be the cord along which his sin will become yours. And that's why you're an alcoholic. I thought, man, that bloke is, he's saying something about what it's saying here. Whosoever sins you remit, send away, release, they will not only release you, but they will release him as well. And I think of another story. When a man was preaching and a, uh, a businessman came up to him and uh, a deacon was with him and one of the ushers and said, Brother, will you please just pray for this man? He has two sons who are alcoholics. So the preacher went up to go and pray for him. And just as he got to him to lay hands on him and pray over him, the Spirit of God stopped him. He said, ask him a question. He said, sir, before I pray for you, I just feel the Spirit of God is just leading me to ask you a question. Were you ever an alcoholic? He said, brother, I haven't come to ask you to pray for me. My two sons are alcoholics. Will you pray for them? He said, that's not what I asked you, sir. I want to know, were you ever at any time an alcoholic? And he felt embarrassed because he was with one of the ushers and he hung his head. He said, yes, I was. He said, let me ask you the second question. When you were in the home as an alcoholic, were your two children growing up in that home and they saw it on a daily basis? He said, yes. He said, all right, this is what I want to ask you to do. He said, I will pray for you as long as you promise me you will release your two sons by going back to them and asking their forgiveness for the years you spent in that home as an alcoholic and sending forth that venom every day because children in every age close their ears to advice and they open their eyes to example. Will you promise me you will go? You see, what has happened, whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Whosoever sins ye remit and send forth and send away and release, they will be released. Your two sons are retaining that sin that you perpetuated in that home. And that's why they have not sent it forth. They have not released it. They haven't got And they are bound by that very sin that you perpetuated in that home. 
you need to go back to them and ask their forgiveness. And when you do, you will cut that cord and release them. And that man fell down under the power of God and God began to minister to him. And I don't know what the end of the story is. But I'm sure he did something about it. You see, whosoever sins, the Bible says, you remit. Whosoever sins, you send away, release in forgiveness. They are remitted unto them. They are released in their lives as well. And I think this is one of the, the greatest truths ever, that we've got to realize this binding and loosing, in a sense, comes right into the very family, in the home where there's been divorce, and divorce and remarriage, and hurt and pain, because so much bitterness just festers in people's lives. And we need to release people in forgiveness. Release them, release them, send it forth, remit, release it, forsake it, cut it, let it go. And if you can't, as I've said before, God is attracted to weakness. Oh, it's a wonderful discovery that. We're attracted to strength. You know, Goliath and Samson and Mike Gurry and all these tough blokes. You know, we're attracted to strength. But God is attracted to weakness. When we come to the place we say, God, I know I need to let it go, but I can't. It's just been eating me up for so long. I can't release it, Lord. Please help me. Oh, his strength comes through in my time of weakness. The trouble why lots of men are never set free. They're too proud. They won't acknowledge. They must fix it. I can fix it. You leave it to me. I fix it, brother. I fix it. I fix it. I, I mean, I, I'm managing director of 50 people in my company. I can fix it. No, you can't fix it. You tell God I can't fix it. This thing has got me. And I need to release it, but I can't. And God will come through for you. God will do something in your life. Let's turn, if we will, to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Forgiveness opens. Unforgiveness closes. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15, this is what it says. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. And when we talk about releasing, we've got to learn to relinquish, humble ourselves and give up the right to be hurt. Can I repeat that? Give up the right to be hurt. And if you humble yourself, you'll do that. When you release that and say, God, oh, but you don't understand. I have the right. I mean, there's no reason why. I yeah, yeah, Don't stand on your dignity. Kneel at the feet of your brethren. Forget this, but I have the right. Now, give up your right. Give up your rights. Relinquish that. And the right to be hurt, you need, hurt, you need to relinquish. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, Jesus lays out the law of release very clearly, and this is what he says. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heart, heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, he will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. You know what? You have to have someone very, very skilled in the scriptures to help you to misunderstand that verse. <laughs> it's as plain as the nose on your face. If you release, you'll be released. You forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. End of story. Even I understand that. <clears throat> Praise God. Now, let me tell you another story. I've got a lot of stories. <clears throat> I teach by stories. There was a lady, we call her name Pat. She was one of my counselors. I had about 50 counselors under me as a cornerstone Christian counseling. They used to be nationwide in New Zealand. One of the ladies who lived in Auckland with us, I spoke to her personally. And she told me once, she said, you know, Mike, she, I'm a divorcee. She's a lovely Christian woman. And she says, my husband divorced me. I think when her two children were five and six years of age or something. And left me for a younger woman or whatever. 
And she says, I was so bitter. I was so resentful. I wanted to get even at any cost. I wanted to get even. If I could hurt him, I would. I was so bitter. I was seething in bitterness. I was marinating in my own self-pity juices. Bitter and twisted and resentful. Don't marinate. Someone once said, you need to cremate your sins, not embalm them. Well, she was embalming them, I tell you, man, to last forever. And she said, a strange thing happened. I started to feel all my joints and my fingers stiffening up, my joints and my legs, and I was starting to become arthritic. Man, I was getting pains and aches that I'd never had. She was only about 36 years of age. And she said, I was stiffening up my joints, and I was getting arthritis bad, big time. And man, I was finding it hard to walk. And a lady came to me, a Christian woman, and she said to me, and she gave her this law of release and said, you know, if you will not release your husband, your cord will bind you, your cord of unforgiveness. You need to release. I can't. How can I release him if he's done this to me? I had to go out to work. And, then, and she started spewing all the stuff out. She said, you've got to release him and ask the Lord to forgive him and forgive you for holding that bitterness. And she wrestled with this, with this for some time. And then she said, an amazing thing happened. It was a change of the attitude of the mind. Someone mentioned it today, metanoia. It's the change of the attitude of the mind. And the prodigal son went into a faraway country, and there he wasted his substance in riotous living. Had the parties and having a great time, and then there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want, and no man gave unto him. And he went and joined himself to a farmer who sent him down to feed pigs. He was probably a Jewish lad. That was very demeaning. And day after day he sat there, and he looked at the food that the pigs did eat, and no man gave unto him. I don't know how long he sat there, but he looked at the food that the pigs did eat, and he thought he would even eat that. He thought of his father's servants. They have better food and clothing. Look at my rags. And then it says, And when he came to himself, he said, I will arise and go back to my father. He had not repented yet. It was the attitude of the mind that had changed. Then he got up and he went back. That's repentance. It starts in the mind. And when he came to himself, and you know what? Sometimes people take a lifetime to come to themselves. Well, this lady, before she was married, this Pat, whose husband left her, she was a beautiful little queen. Whoops. There you go. She was a beautiful little queen, and she was loved and cherished. But then something happened in her life, and things began to turn around. And after marriage, she became a prune, a wriggled up prune of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness entered into her life. But when she released, and when she came to herself, she said, I will arise and get rid of my arthritis. And she released. She sent it forth. She sent it away. She cut the cord. She said it's a decision to forgive. And she released him. And somehow she became a little queen again. And God blessed her. You like that? It's nice, eh? I like that. I like that. I like that. Forgiveness opens. And unforgiveness closes. In Hebrews chapter 12, 
And verses 14 and 15, many of us know this verse. It says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. Looking diligently. Now, when it says diligently, it means with great painstaking effort. Do it with great sincerity and integrity of your heart. Give it your best shot. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, trouble you, and thereby many, many be defiled. You want to split a church? Let the root begin, begin to go down deep. And people begin to gossip, gossip, begin to speak, begin to brew, begin to find resentment against people, areas, backbite. I used to have wings, but the backbiters bit them off. <laughs> there are a lot of backbiters. A lot, lot of backbiters. Sometimes you even lose your halo. Man. Matthew 18, verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose in forgiveness and send away and remit, they will be remitted. And there are people, maybe even here in this seminar this afternoon, who are still wrestling with the spirit of forgiveness and thinking, God, how can I release this person? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3 verse 13. Oh, it's all very well you saying that, Mike. You didn't have a man who raped your two daughters who did this. Yeah, it's all very well. Yeah, I'm just saying what the Word of God, like Brother, Brother Joseph Webb there. So you, so you mean, no, I don't say, I just read the Word. Yeah, yeah. Colossians 3 verse 13. And then we go to Matthew chapter 6, or 5 rather. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 26. I'm going to just paraphrase this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember, now listen carefully, that your brother hath ought against you. Well, that's a nice altar. When you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember, your brother has got aught against you. Leave thy gift. First go back and be reconciled to your husband, to your wife, to your brother. Then come and offer your gift and God will receive it. Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest he take you, take you to the officer, the officer take you to the prison warden, and he cast you into prison, into prison. And there you will stay until you've paid the uttermost farthing. You remain in a prison of your own making if you will not release in forgiveness, it'll bind you. If you release and send it away, they will be released to a larger degree. But so will you. And so many people don't understand this. I had a young lady who came to me, an Indian lady. She came to me, and her husband was sitting there. <laughs> I said, yeah, blub, blub, sniff, sniff. I said, what's the trouble? 
And there's he sitting there, quite a handsome young man. I said, what's the trouble? My husband had an affair seven years ago. I said, seven years ago? Yeah. I said, well, I said, is that true, sir? Yes, it is true. I feel ashamed of it. I've asked her a hundred times to forgive me, but she won't let it go. Every time we're intimate in the bed, I think of that other woman. I said, now listen, 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 you're bound, you're bound. Now I'm going to give you some verses, and I gave you these verses. One of the verses I told you, Matthew chapter 18, I want you to go back and read the last 10, 15 verses about a man who would not forgive. And they took him, and he was forgiven for the debt that he owed. He went out and grabbed a bloke by the neck and said, you give me the money, and it was even less that he was forgiven. And yeah, he would not, so they, he took him and cast him into prison. When the Lord heard that, he said, hey, come here, you wicked servant. Come here, didn't I forgive you? I forgave you, and what did you do? You went and grabbed that blood around the neck and just about strangled him and said, you, you give me what you owe me. And they took him and cast him into prison. Now listen. And he was handed over to the hands of the tormentors. The tormentors. And they tormented him and they caught him by the and day after day they put the knife in and turned it and put the salt in and they tormented him day and night. You torment yourself, you'll be in the hands of the tormentors. I told her that. You go and read those verses. I gave many of them. She came back about ten days later. Man, she just she's about jumped through the window, man. She came in skipping, dancing. Oh, Brother Glory, Brother Glory, Brother Glory, Hallelujah, Brother Glory, Praise the Lord, Brother Glory. So what's happened? She's Praise the Lord, I'm free. Hallelujah, Brother Glory, Hallelujah. Man, if she said Brother Glory once, she's a hundred times. I had a Brother Glory, Praise God, I'm free. I said, Oh, Hallelujah, you must have just done what the Bible said. She says, I did. I'm free. I said, Hallelujah, Praise God, let's rejoice. She just did what the Word said. She released, and God released her. You see, it's a law of release. It's a law. Of forgiveness. A brother by the name of David Pawson, some of you know him from the UK. Good man. Preaches a good message. He was asked to go and pray for a lady. She was in a wheelchair. Rheumatoid arthritis. All crippled up. He went to go and pray. Will you come pray with this lady? Yes, sure. As he got there, just as he approached, the Lord said, stop, ask her a question. She says, Sister, before I pray for you, I want to ask you a question. She said, What is that? She said, Well, um, is there anyone in your life that you have not forgiven? She looked at him in the eyes and said, Yes, my husband, I hate him. And I saw the prune shrivel up, and she just turned bitter, resentful, said, well, listen, the Lord has asked me to ask you if you will find it in your heart to release that man and ask God to forgive him and forgive you. You'll come free, and I'll pray for you. I will never forgive him for what he's done for me. I'm going to ask you again, will you find it in your heart and make a decision to forgive that man and release him? I will never forgive him. I hate him. And David Pawson said, then I will not pray for you. And he walked away. And they wheeled that woman down the aisle, spitting out Pip's eyeballs sticking out of the top of her head, looking like a shriveled up prune, turned around the corner, and he never saw her again. I don't know whether she's still alive. But she didn't understand the principle of release. If you release, you will be released. If you forgive from your heart, God will forgive you. And there are many verses in the Bible, and you know them, that talk about the principle of release. And God may be speaking to some of you today, where you'd look down deep in your heart and say, God, you know, I still have something festering in there.
I need to release it at this conference. Release it and say, God, I'm weak, but I know I have to release it so you can release me. It's vitally important. Forgiveness closes or opens. Unforgiveness closes. Now I want to bring you a story possibly in closing. Set your watches for a quarter of an hour. <clears throat> I'll try and be quick. It comes from Africa. It comes from Uganda. True story. A missionary from the United States went out to preach, told them he was coming, got to Uganda, those who were organizing wanted to take him right out into the sticks, into the bush, a couple of hours away, got in their jeep, found that the petrol or the gas, gasoline was right down. Went to the local petrol station, selling petrol on the black market, no petrol. Went to the next one, sorry sir, petrol is only coming in tomorrow, the gasoline won't be here. Went to a number of stations that, boy, we can't, we can't get out there. Eventually, he bought this gasoline on the back, black market. He paid $800 for a tank of, of gasoline. Got in there about two hours late, went out, right out into the bush. They were still singing. That's one thing about the Africans. They will sing and sing and praise and bless. When you fast asleep, they're up and night. They, they'll sing all night, and then they'll walk 10 miles to their home or to their job. It's true. They were still singing, waiting, praising the Lord. He came. He said, now Lord, I've got to give them a good message. What is the message you want me to preach? And the Lord laid upon him to preach the fruit of the Spirit. So he gave it his best shot. American preacher. And he said, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. He went right through. When he had finished, a dear old gentleman, African gentleman, came up to him and said, Pastor, I want you to listen to the story. It'll touch your heart. Pastor, I, I want to speak to you. So he said, yes, sir. He said, you left something out. What do you mean I left something out? He said, come with me. And they walked down, walked down, walked down the little dusty path, came to a little mud hut with a straw, straw roof, walked in there. There's a big box in the middle, that's all. He sat on the one side of the box and the pastor sat on the other side of the box. He said, pastor, thanks for the message, but you left something out. He said, what was that? He said, let me tell you a story. Come here. You see up there in the hill, that lovely big double-story house? That's my house. Your house? My house. How come you're living down here in the sticks here with the little mud hut? He said, I'll tell you a story. One day, I was there. I owned a, 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 a clothing factory downtown. And there was a knock on the door. I went to the door. There's two of Idi Amin's men standing with guns. Give us the keys of your black Mercedes. And we want this house for military headquarters. He said, you soon decide you don't say no when you see a gun pointed at you. I gave my keys. My wife and my children fled. And he kicked me out. And I came down to the valley. And someone gave me this little hut. But as I went back to town, every day I saw a big black Mercedes with two big black generals with pips and all sorts of medals on them driving in my black Mercedes. And I was bitter and twisted. I'll tell you the next story next time. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> no, I won't do that to you. No, no, I won't do that. I thought you were all listening. I just want to see if any of you are awake. All right, now, 
So he said, and I was so bitter, and I was so twisted. I saw my car, these people, my house, using for military headquarters. I managed to bring the rocking chair down here, one rocking chair. So I sold my rocking chair, and I bought a cow. I thought, at least I can get some milk. The cow got disease in its eyes, so I bought some ointment and put it in his eyes. The cow died. So now I lost my house, lost my Mercedes, my wife and children run away. Now I got a cow, cow dies. Had a little bit of grain, I planted some grain. I thought we'll have a nice bumper crop. That year, worst drought in Uganda. No crops. Failed. Everything happened. And yeah, I'm sitting. I'm licking my wounds. I'm so discouraged. And there's a knock on the door. And I... He says, love me. I grabbed him by the collar and by the pants and I ran him out of the house. He went, bulamakisi, roll in the dust. <laughs> I slammed the door. Jesus loves me. What's this nonsense? Man, five minutes later, he dusted himself, he come. And I opened the door. He said, I'm not taking no for answer. Jesus still loves you. I look at that man. He said, no, please. I've got a message for you. So I invited that man in. And that man told me, and this is what you left out. He told me, I can be filled with the spirit of love and joy in my heart if I will release people in forgiveness. Release that idiomen and all his men and those people who have taken your house. You've got to learn to release them. And when you forgive, not from your mouth, not from your head, when you forgive from your heart. Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you. And brother, when that young man told me that, somehow the Spirit of God, he get hold of my heart and changed me. Now you left something out. You tell my people, they can have forgiveness of sin. They can have the fruit of the Spirit. But you must tell them, if they do not forgive from their heart, they'll be bound and put in a prison. You must tell my people that if you want the fruit of the Spirit, you've got to repent of your forgiveness, unforgiveness, and release people. Otherwise, you will not be released. That day, I gave my heart to Jesus. And now, this African man here, Mike Gori, from South Africa, he's coming, it did not cost him $800. He's giving you the same message. If you won't release people in forgiveness, you will not be released. And you will not enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. We can go on and on. You see, <clears throat> unforgiveness will bind you and put you in prison. And you will be handed over to the hands of the tormentors. And so for people today who are really hurting, and you know that this message has touched your heart, and you're quite sorry that Brother God has got up there and preached again. It's meant of the Lord. I don't know your heart. I don't know where you are in this journey. But I just want to be a faithful witness for Jesus and say, the Lord loves you and he wants to release you. But you have to first release those who have hurt you so you can come out of prison.
And I've had to have some things where I've had to release. I've had to forgive people. And it hasn't been easy. And we don't do things because they're easy. We do them because they're right. You standers who are standing here for your marriage, some of you have been eight years, even longer. You're not doing it because it's easy. You're doing it because you know it's right. And right is might. And so, whosoever sins you remit and send away, they're remitted unto them. And they will release them and they will release you. And there will be a reciprocal something that will happen in the spiritual. But if you will not forgive from your heart and you retain bitterness and unforgiveness, you will be bound in a prison of your own making. Now some of you say, God, I'm just too weak to forgive. I've been bashed around so long. Well, if you take it to heart, you're a candidate for a miracle. You are. You're a candidate for a miracle. And I want to encourage when other people go away, and if you've got a real hurt in your heart, and you say, God, that message was meant for me, get the tape, play it to your prayer group, pray it to everyone they need to come free. You can be a blessing to other people. And then I'm sure there will be people who will pray with you afterwards. There's enough godly men and women in this place here who will be able to come alongside you and you just humble yourself and say, listen, I'm in a prison house. I know that there's bitterness still in my heart and I can't get rid of it. Will you please pray that God will release me? I want to release it, but I can't. Will you pray for me? Just, just go and invite someone. Come along, brother. If there was time, I'd invite all of you to come and stand here and get people to come and pray for you. Pray over you and bless you. Anoint you with oil. There's oil around here. If you haven't got some, I've got some in my pocket somewhere there. But God wants to release. And unforgiveness closes. Forgiveness opens up a new way. Let's pray. Now, Lord, we want to bless your glorious name. You're wonderful, you're wonderful. And I pray that the anointing of your Spirit will be present in this place. That you would take the message. And long after Brother Gory's words have fallen to the ground, that the Holy Spirit will be the after-teacher, even in the still hours of the morning to minister wholeness and healing and release into people's lives. And as I often tell people, it takes two to build a wall. The person who's building it and the person who is allowing it to be built. We're all builders. We're either bridge builders or wall builders. I pray today all of those who are wall builders will today decide to become bridge builders that your name will be glorified and we will be released. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Amen.